Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. My mother, in this one conversation, she says, I don't care what you guys do in your life, as long as you're not a drug addict, a prostitute, a criminal, or a homosexual. This is The Leap. I'm Judy Campbell. And that voice you just heard, that's Sean Demons. He's 50 years old, and he grew up in a black, middle-class family in L.A. And when he looks back on his childhood, there's a moment that sticks out, maybe the first nascent steps of a leap it would take him four decades to make. I remember one time this very, what my mother called a bull dagger. A butch lesbian. For Sean's mom, an insult. One of my mother's best friends who I knew came over to the house, and the woman who brought her, my mother wouldn't allow her in the house. But we, you know, we're kids, you're curious. We're in our bedroom, and I'm looking out on the street, and I'm looking at this woman, and she was super butch. Like, she was just, like, wearing the men's clothes. She had men's mannerisms, and, you know, she was leaning back on her car and, you know, just doing things that you would attribute to a male persona. I remember being fascinated with her. Fascinated, for one, because back then, Sean was Shauna. By now, this is a familiar story. We know about Caitlyn Jenner. Transparent is on TV. These stories have a particular arc to them, about someone who, on the inside, knows how they want to be. But it's this huge, maybe scary leap to make that public, whether it's a magazine cover or coming out to your children. But that's not Sean's story. Courage was never his problem. He had plenty of it. But he didn't know where that courage was supposed to take him. It would take him 40 years to figure out that he wanted to be a he. Back then, as a kid, he just knew he didn't feel like a girl. And at that point, I, you know, I had been having, I knew I liked, I didn't know what it was. I knew when I liked to play house, no matter what, who I played with, boys or girls. I even had a little boy playing one time, and he had to be the mother, because I always got to be the daddy. Here I need to talk a little about the language I'm using in this story. Sean has asked that I not identify him by the pronoun she, even when talking about the past, before he started identifying as male. Sean says that's because he never felt like a girl. It was just the gender assigned him. So we've agreed that I'll use the name Shauna when talking about him in the past and the pronoun he. If this all seems complicated now, think about how confusing it all must have felt for Shauna then, in the 70s. It makes you feel like you're wrong. That's a sucky feeling to feel wrong when you're not doing anything necessarily wrong. I'm just being. I'm just having my feelings and following through with them. As he got older, he started dressing more masculine, but he still thought of himself as female. He came out as a lesbian. When he was 35, Sean moved from L.A. to San Francisco, where he was shocked and so excited to find people dressing like him, even at work, even serving coffee in a corporate chain store. And I was like, you can be at Starbucks and you don't have to wear girls' clothes? Well, that's amazing. Sean had found a queer community, and he lived as a lesbian, a really butch lesbian. But he knew that wasn't exactly right. 
I knew I was not a lesbian. I used to tell my girlfriends that all the time. I was like, I'm not a lesbian. I'm not. I didn't know what. Shauna didn't know what he was. He didn't feel out of place in his female body. It was elusive. He just felt masculine. And other people saw him that way, too. My girlfriends would always tell me, you're not a girl. You're not a girl. You know, just in how I interact, how I, you know, how I approach problems or things, how we would problem solve. They would be like, oh, my God, you know, you're just like a guy. It was as if the world was trying to tell him something, but he just couldn't hear it. Trans outreach workers would be, they would come out and give me stuff and be like, here, you should come to this group. And I'd be like, but I'm not trans. What strikes me about this is that for Sean, it wasn't enough to know that there was such a thing as being transgender. Trans outreach people were approaching Sean, and still that wasn't enough for him to recognize himself because they didn't look like him. But then he saw a film, Still Black, a portrait of black trans men. It was a revelation watching these black transgender men talking about themselves and the lives they lead. I see my, you know, my, my, my previous life, like, you know, living as a lesbian or living as a female sit here and how the conversation would be different. How guys... It was like watching an alternate future for himself. To see them living their lives and have been fully transitioned It was really powerful for me. It let me know it was possible. It let me know that there were other black trans men, so I would have a community. You know, there are other people who shared my culture who were also transgender. That was important. Sean tells me that his identity as a black person has always come before his gender identity. And before he watched that movie, he couldn't even imagine himself as transgender. It just didn't fit anything he had known. Sean explains it as an information problem. He was just like the rest of the world. He was just learning about what transgender was. Finally, he recognized himself. Then, in grad school, where Shauna was getting a public health degree, at the beginning of class, the teacher had a very important question. What is your name and what is your preferred pronoun? I said, my name is Sean and I prefer he. It was about being free for me. It was about, okay, oh, that's what it is. It clicked. And from then on, Shauna was Sean. The pieces fit. Sometimes we imagine leaps as this hold-your-breath-and-plunge sort of moment. But for Sean, it took four decades, and it still wasn't over. At this point, Sean was identifying as a man. He felt like a man. But it didn't mean everyone saw him that way. Aside from his clothes and hair, his body was still female. He didn't always know how people would see him. Like this one time, not too long after Sean started identifying as a man, he was out having brunch with friends. And I had to go to the bathroom. And at that time, I didn't feel safe to go in the men's room because men would clock me as a lesbian, possibly. And I was very fearful of what could happen to me going in that space. I was afraid I would be harmed. So Sean heads to the women's bathroom. I went in there, and I usually just make a beeline. I don't even look at anybody, but I saw all the women gasp. I just kind of looked, and I was in a very white neighborhood, too. Okay, so there's another thing. A black man in a white neighborhood walks into a woman's bathroom, and the women, they all run out, and the manager comes in. I didn't know all the women had run out of the bathroom. I was in there using the bathroom, and then the guy knocked and Sir, you need to come out, and... um. He said, you can't use this bathroom. I said, this is the bathroom I'm supposed to use. What you need to have is bathrooms for all people here. That's what you need to have. You're the problem. I'm not the problem. I'm using the bathroom you have for me. So I advocated for myself. And I was pissed. You know, I was like, I can't even go pee. That's Sean. He was always ready to stand up for himself. 
but he was getting tired of it. He didn't want to have to explain himself all the time. He wanted to be seen as a man. I want to walk down the street. I want you to see me. I want to walk in my life. I want to be able to live my life in a way that my identity isn't something that's always up for debate. And so Sean started taking testosterone. His voice got lower. He grew facial hair. He started to pass. And he wanted his family to know him. Sean's mother died before he realized he was transgender, but he needed to talk to his older sister, Donna. Sean knew Donna was going to be a hard sell. She's religious, very religious, Pentecostal. And it was one thing for her to grudgingly live with Sean as a dyke, but changing genders, that's a lot. For me and my black community that I grew up in, you know, messing with gender is like messing with Jesus, and you don't mess with it. Jesus is for them, right? Just like gender is. And so I think that that's something that they are not able to imagine or accept. But I wanted to get Donna's perspective, so I called her. She lives in L.A. I'm the oldest. I was three girls, Donna, Lana, and Shauna. Donna is 11 years older than Sean. When they were young, Donna took care of Shauna a lot. In our culture, we call it sister mama. The oldest daughter, basically, girl in the family, taking on the mother role for uh, the, her siblings, her younger siblings. Because my mother was a single parent and she worked and she took care of us. And I would take on the responsibility of taking care of Sean and my other sister, Lana. When Donna found out Shauna was gay, she was shocked and mad. never suspected it. I never. I just thought she was just like a tomboy, you know. And uh, when I found out, I was very angry and I laughed out. Eventually, Donna learned to live with it. But she said she really couldn't wrap her head around what Sean was telling her now. Switching genders, taking testosterone. And now, Sean was even talking about getting a surgery to remove his breasts. Donna's diabetic. She had a leg amputated. She didn't get this. People who have to have surgery, such as cancer victims, and you're choosing to do that to yourself. Donna prayed for God to intervene, to make Sean change his mind so he wouldn't have surgery, and more, that he would want to stay a woman. But she knew she couldn't tell Sean she felt that way. Because I know that how she felt, how strongly she felt about her decision. She said, if anyone can't support me in my transition, well, they just don't need to be in my life. So she wasn't. They didn't talk for close to two years. I missed Sean so much. In that pause there, before she says Sean, not Shauna, we're hearing Donna's leap. For Sean, his leap was a process of discovery, uncovering himself. But for Donna, in that two years they didn't talk, she had to face that her identity, her community, was directly at odds with her love for Sean. So deciding to try to accept and understand him was a radical shift, putting religion aside, her idea of who her sister was aside, looking away from all of that and fighting her way to some kind of acceptance. You know, it's hard for me to accept it, but I finally accepted it because, you know, I love uh, Sean. And if you love someone, you love them. And you try to understand the things they're going through, whether you agree with them or not. 
And in the end, I feel with me and not with everybody that love is going to always win. But that acceptance, it isn't total. She says she doesn't want to talk too much with them about what's happening. She says they just touch around the edges. You know, there's no need to go deeper into this. I'm just watching. I see a much happier person. Some family members never came around at all. He's always surprised when someone from his old neighborhood doesn't shun him as Sean. Here's something about Sean. That kind of social pressure never seems to hold him back. It's like he's immune to it. I wondered about that. So I called Sean to ask a few more questions. And what he told me, I did not see it coming. We'll get to that after a quick break. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hello? Hey, Sean. Yeah. I called Sean because I wanted to hear more about what life was like for him growing up, feeling so different from the people all around him. And what emerged is a more complicated and sadder picture of Sean's childhood than what I knew before. I remember it. When I was growing up as a kid, I was always waiting on the next bad thing to happen. When is something going to happen? Like, if stuff was going good, I'd be like, well, I mean, something crazy is about to happen soon. Sean tells me something he hadn't told me before, that he's only starting to talk about much, that from the ages of 5 to 17, he was sexually abused. He doesn't want to discuss the details, but one of the results is that he doesn't remember much from his childhood. Maybe he's blocked it out. What he remembers is feeling really unsettled. I was just uncomfortable with myself all the time, just uncomfortable. And I, I, I can't say, per se, that it was about this thing, or was it about that thing? It was just on discomfort, just like angst, like unable to thrive, you know, just kind of going through the motions through the day, get through the day. Like, I slept a lot, I ate a lot, watched a lot of TV. He was getting in trouble, missing school, acting up, eventually using drugs. He just didn't care. I mean, I was so rebellious because of the trauma that I think, I honestly think, if anything, the trauma, I mean, the child sexual abuse was helped me come out. Because by then, I didn't care. I was in so much psychic pain. It's as if his trauma emboldened him. The world around him felt so unreliable and wrong, the only option was to fight against it. Whatever was happening, the most important thing to me was for me to be happy with who I was 
and how I was living my life and what made me happy. So it was never an idea that I would not love women because somebody had a problem with it. It was never, I never once considered not transitioning because of what someone else was going to think. So Sean was always ready to accept himself, whatever that looked like. But he says all that turmoil and abuse, though it may have made him rebellious, it kept him distracted, delayed him from really understanding his gender. First, he had to deal with the abuse. He went to therapy, and there was a book that helped called The Courage to Heal. The year before Sean started identifying as a man was dark and deep. And then, an emergence. I sucked my thumb from the time I was nine months old until I was 44 years old. I never thought I would stop sucking my thumb. It brought me great relief. It was the only thing that I could do to calm and soothe myself when I was the most hurt or anxious. And once I dealt with the courage to heal and I came out as trans, I stopped. I stopped sucking my thumb, just stopped. These last half dozen years, just before and since he started identifying as a man, have been a time of blossoming, a liberation, mentally and physically. Sean's figure changed with the testosterone. His curve straightened, he grew a beard, and he had surgery to remove his breasts. He looks like a man. This feels like the end of Sean's story, a transition, a recognition, a landing from a long, slow leap of trying on different ways to feel like himself. But no, not the end. Because Sean still needs to figure out just what kind of man he's going to be. When I met him, he'd recently started dating a woman named Sonia. We met on OkCupid. <laughs> we totally met on OkCupid. When Sonia met Sean, she identified as queer. She dated women, and she dated straight men. I had never dated a trans person until I dated Sean. And when he messaged me on OkCupid, I think there was a part of me who was really interested in, like, was desiring masculine energy, but, but not sort of masculine BS. Sonia told me she liked that Sean had spent decades as a woman and that he was sculpting his trans male self as a feminist. She liked the way he took pieces of masculinity and pieces of femininity, even if sometimes she didn't love where this took him. For instance, he'd be challenging compulsory masculinity while also really wanting me to make a sandwich in the morning. <laughs> but for all that Sonia and Sean were forging their own way to the outside world, they were finding that they looked very typical. We're very queer, and we aren't seen as queer. We're seen as a heterosexual couple, and we don't like that. We don't like it. For almost 50 years, Sean has been trying to get to this point, where he disappears into his gender, where there isn't a disconnect between who he is and how he looks. But there still is. His identity, his community, his queer. His job is working with black gay men in an HIV prevention program. He's active and working for trans rights. But if he walks into a lesbian club now, people wonder what a straight man is doing there. I'm not trying to live stealth. I'm not trying to get a little wife and a little house and a little picket fence and just be Mr. Demons living there with this woman. He feels like he has a responsibility to be seen. I'm very comfortable being queer, and I think it's important for me to be queer, and it's very important for me to be visible. It's important for other people to see that because I would have liked to have seen somebody like me because until I saw somebody like me, I didn't come out. To Sonia, this was Sean's next challenge, to really show himself. That means working to drop his hard-won guard, his fight with the world, to allow himself to be more vulnerable. And she was seeing more of it. 
Sean had been self-conscious about going swimming because of the scars left when he had his breasts removed. But not long ago, on a vacation in Savannah, he shed his shirt and jumped in the pool. It was like watching seven-year-old Sean (laughs) at the pool. There was just such a freedom and a joy and a, like, childlike elation in him. It was so beautiful to watch. And I, I see pieces of that just opening up wider and wider in our daily lives. I'm, I'm excited to watch that keep blossoming. That's The Leap. I'm Judy Campbell. And I'm Amy Standen, and I have a cold. The scoring and audio mix for this story is by Seth Samuel. Nathan Campbell wrote and performed the song you'll hear in a minute. Diane Cook edited this story. Here at KQED, the team includes Jason Black, Cecilia Lay, Susie Oki, Joanne Wallace, and Matt Williams. Big thanks to Paul Lancor, Howie Gelman, and Marianne McCune. And this is the last episode of our first season, but you can go back and listen to earlier stories, six altogether. We hope to be back with more stories in a few months. If you don't want to miss an episode, subscribe. Until then, thanks for listening and for all your emails, which have been so great. The Leap at KQED.org. Thanks. Leaping lizards, is that really me? I wasn't born to fly, Lord, Lord, I was born to green. So circle your buzzers over the yawning deep. I bet all I got against your life that I'm gonna Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.